Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in Lions, right here on the Believe Network. As always, I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. And as always, I am joined by the Detroit Lions legend, the all-pro pick leader, elite-graded safety, Glover Quinn. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Always a pleasure to hear what you've got to say about the Detroit Lions. Because it's day seven of training camp. And the pads have been on for a couple days now. You missing it at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. I, uh, you know, this is what's so crazy. I, you know, when you're not in it, you look up. For me, I come off vacation. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, they're practicing already. Like, it's training camp. Like, jeez. It it's just sneaks up on you, isn't, doesn't it? Man, it was it was it was crazy. I wasn't really I mean to think seven days in now and you know it's Wednesday, so they got, you know, probably had practice today, practice tomorrow, probably have a lighter practice on Friday, because I think they got the the scrimmage on Saturday, the mm-hmm. family day. So I mean, that's fast, man. Next thing you know, we're into the Hall of Fame game next week, probably. Yeah, we're sneaking up on that for the Jaguars, and I can't remember who their opponents are, but you know, so then co- that means those guys started, you know, practicing. They're in probably day ten of practice already. They probably started a week earlier than everybody else. Summer's going by too quick. It it's really gone. is. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> like there's schools back in Mississippi that start school on Monday. Wow. They start school on Monday, you know. Where so, did the, where did the time go? <laughs> it's gone. It's, it's gone. gone. It's gone. Oh. And we've had a lot of news this past week with the lines being in the building. One of which is I don't know if you heard Aiden Hutchinson's rendition of Billy Jean, but as Panay Sewell said, his voice is like butter killed the performance and i know you also had some praise for the eagles jordan davis for belting out some lyrics what does that do for a rookie in front of the vets being able to sing so well bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information. 
from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's B L E A V 50. Bet online where the game starts. You know, I I didn't see Aiden Hutchinson's. I don't know how I missed it. Was it on was it on the socials? Uh, it kind of flew under the radar. He only did a couple, like a couple bar, bars. Well, they're doing hard down. knocks. They're doing hard knocks. They're probably just kind of saving it for for I the think hard so. knocks. Yeah. So, because I was about to say, I didn't, I didn't see that, but I saw Jordan, Jordan Davis's, and you know, I think what what it does is it, it helps when you can sing. You know, what I'm saying well because now it's like, oh wow, this guy can sing. Like he's he's talented young man. But for two, it's just you know having the humility to be able to get up in front of your team as a rookie, but a high pick rookie, right? You're a first round draft pick. So, you know, you're probably coming in as this, you know, you're big time guy, right? But being humble enough to understand that I'm still a rookie. This is just a part of being a rookie, you know, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to earn my respect on this team, not just from being a high draft pick, but from my work on the field, my work off the field, if y'all need me to entertain, I entertain because that's just a part of being a rookie. And I'm humble enough to understand that I have to go through these things because that's just a part of it. And the better attitude that you have about it, the better it is for you as a rookie. You know what I'm saying? When you are, you know, a turd about it or you know you act like you're too good to do it then that just makes the vets and older people want to make you do more stuff because they know that you don't like it but you know what i'm saying getting up doing your performance like i said it helps when you have a talent right that you can sing or you can juggle or you can you know do card tricks or whatever it is that you might have as a talent that you can do to entertain that helps because obviously you know, you feel more comfortable doing things that you know you do well, right? Um, but still, just having the, the the humility to be able to just get up there in front of your teammate. And that's what I liked about, you know, Jordan Davis. He's a, I saw it, and I'm like, this big guy, big D tackle, you know what I'm saying? And he's up there just, like, singing his heart out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's singing like – I saw it as he's singing like an undrafted rookie that really just want to do everything he can to like make the team. You know what I'm saying? Just like, I just want a chance. That's what I felt when I watched how he was singing. So, and I was like, you know, to have a defensive lineman that big, but you know, a high draft pick that talented, but have the humility to understand and do this and not be afraid. Like he, I mean, if he stay healthy, he, he's, he, he's, potentially going to go on and have a great career because he's not going to be afraid to ask the vets for questions. He's not going to be afraid to, to do the extra things that it's going to take to become a great player because he's not too big time to even entertain in front of the guys. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I said that. I completely agree. And I'm sure it just adds to the culture 
of the locker room and just being able to have guys that don't take themselves too seriously. They can buckle down when they need to. And so Hutchinson sang in front of the the whole team. And then he gave a couple bars talking to NFL network analyst, I believe Tom Pelissero. So I think he's saving the big performance for hard knocks. I think he knows that he's going to be on there. And you talk about bonding as a team. One of the things that the defensive line has been doing after practice is running the hill. And so from what I've read, the hill was brought in by Matt Patricia. He had the hill constructed and it wasn't super popular from what I read. I don't know what the locker room felt, but we've got this hill that the defensive line has kind of claimed as their own now to say, no, we're working after practice. We've got to get 1% better than every other unit. Hutchinson's been out there with Michael Brockers and Charles Harris, the rest of the team. So what are your thoughts on the Hill and the defensive line using it? Well, you know, the Hill wasn't built when I was there, so I never actually Ah. ran the Hill. I never done the Hill. But I heard about the Hill, and, you know, the guys didn't necessarily like the Hill. And I don't know if it was – I don't know if it was – the hill really that made it a big that big of a deal from you know the initial things that I was hearing. It was just the fact that you know you wanted Matt Patricia to be Matt Patricia. Like, don't come to Detroit and try to be Bill Belichick. Don't come try to be New England just because y'all had a hill in New England. Don't try to bring that. Like, be Matt Patricia, and that may be something that he believed into his core and something that he wanted to do, but. The reason why I feel like a lot of those Patriots descendants, you know, struggle at times is because of that. It's hard for them to develop their own identity because when they come in from the organization of the Patriots, the fans, the front office, they expect to get the results that the Patriots have gotten over time. And that's what they don't understand, that it's over time. So things that Bill Belichick can do in New England, you can't necessarily just do those things when you go to another team because you don't have that respect of your guys right now, right? Bill Belichick has Super Bowl rings and wins and wins and wins, so he can say, hey, this is how we do things around here, right? When you come to another team, the way you talk to Tom Brady, because you've been with Tom Brady since he was a rookie and y'all have this major relationship and he's been in your system for years and y'all have that respect. Like the way you talk to him, you might can't talk to Matthew Stafford like that because he don't really know you like that. Y'all don't have that relationship like that right now. Y'all have to build that relationship. And if you don't build those relationships where they know, right, like we're good, then you can get the kickback that he got. So that's what I felt about with the heel. It's like, man, like, do you have to do the heel? Like, are we the, you know, the the Detroit Patriots or the, the New England's line? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's be us. Let's let's do us. And if that's what it is, then that's what it is. But that was the whole kickback. But I never I never had the heel. But for the D line, you know, that's I mean, it's there. So you might as well use it, whether you know you built it or not. It's there. So for D lineman, that's extra conditioning, but it's also, you know, you're working on explosive movements by running uphill. 
And as a D lineman, you, you're putting your hand in the ground and you're firing off the ball, you know, every single play. So getting that extra conditioning, getting that extra explosive work, I mean, it's only going to benefit those guys. You know what I'm saying? It's only gonna, I mean, that's the thing about hard work. Hard work only benefits you. And we all understand that. We all know that. We all work extremely hard. Um, but a lot of times it's underlying issues that go along with, with that stuff. But kudos to the D-line, man. Now, I don't think they should hog the hill. Like, if the DBs want to get on the hill, like, why we can't get on the hill? Like, <laughs> it ain't y'all here. Did y'all, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> I imagine it's a pretty inclusive environment. I think it's more of a, hey, we're doing the work that the rest of the position groups aren't. So maybe you got to show us up in a different way. We know Amon Ross St. Brown likes to show people up after practice by catching 202 balls from the jugs machine. That's what he says anyways. I don't know if he is literally 202, but everyone goes about the after practice routine differently, I'm sure especially when you get into these training camp fights. Sometimes you get thrown out of practice early, like the Saints have seen. And sometimes what happens after a training camp fight? Well, I mean, the fights, you know, I don't know what it is about the Saints. I remember being a rookie when I was in Houston. We used to practice against the Saints, and we always fought those guys. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is about the Saints. Every, like, we fought them in in Houston, we practiced with them in New Orleans one year. We fought them in New Orleans. Like, I don't know what it is about the Saints and practice or training camp. Um, those guys are always fighting. Had to ask AG about that because he was in, you know, the New Orleans for a while. I, I don't know what their whole deal is. But, you know, it's training camp. You know, it's a lot of intensity. It's a lot of competition. It's a lot of, you know, just a lot of testosterone and guys are, amped up to play they've been working hard all off season so they're excited to put the pads on they're excited to show that they deserve to have a spot and sometimes tempers flare and they're just a part of it you know what i'm saying long as you know i was always like hey man if you, if you tussle it out on the field hey man we're just competing you know what i'm saying it just is what it is um but long as they stay on the field you know we don't carry over into the locker room we don't carry over into the parking lot and stuff like that then it's just football it's just a tussle it is what it is i mean it got to be real bad for you to get kicked out of practice unless the coach is just trying to make a statement that, hey, you know, we're not fighting. Because if you fight in practice, you may feel like you can fight in the game. And if you fight in the game, you're going to get kicked out. So if you fight in practice, I'm going to kick you out of practice. So you don't have that. And then you have some coaches that feel like, hey, I want some guys that's, that, that, that's willing to fight. Like, you know, I want some guys that, that don't want to take crap from somebody or, you know what I'm saying, I want – I want that D lineman that makes the O lineman mad because he's going hard and the O lineman wants to play off. And no, nah, I'm not giving you a playoff. They may want those guys as long as you can control that and understand that, hey, that's just practice and it's just us getting better. That doesn't carry over into the game, you know what I'm saying, where you feel like you can fight in the game because it's going to cost us penalties and you're going to get kicked out. So that's going to hurt the team. But in practice, maybe you're trying to establish an environment, establish a, a, a tone and tempo. So sometimes it may be seen as one of those things, but. A lot of times it's just 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 training camp tussles, man. I mean, you got helmets and shoulder pads on, like guys just pushing each other, and it ain't really that. That's what but I will say, talking about the after practice stuff, not necessarily the 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 fights. After practice is a huge, huge, huge thing, right? Especially in training camp. And you love the coaches and teams that gives players plenty of time after practice. You know what I'm saying? So if practice ends at one o'clock, 
you know, not having meetings or anything to say three o'clock. So now you got two hours from when the practice is over with to when you have to do something else. So in that two hours, you can go through your after practice routine, get some food, whatever, before you have to go and get into a meeting. So that allows you to whatever it is you do after practice. You know, you said he likes to catch a lot of balls so you can cold tub or you treat men or you lift weights or you stretch or you eat or you sleep or you whatever it is that you do. So having coaches that allow you to do that is is huge, especially in training camp. But I never like using the jugs. No, I never, I never like using the jugs. So so. Um, when I was in Detroit. You know, they wanted us to go and, and use the jugs. And I went over there um, like one time with the guys. And guys are playing around and this and that. And I just, I was like, man, I don't like using the jugs. I'm, I'm not going back to the jugs. So we created what we called hand school, right? And so we will have our defensive back. I would have the DB coach. It started out as just me. You know what I'm saying? Just me. I'm like, I'm not going to the jugs. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, everybody after practice, your legs are tired. You, you've been practicing, so you want to just stand there and catch the ball. I understand that. But I always felt like there's never a situation for me in the game where I'm just standing there catching the ball and it's shooting out of a jug machine. I'm always seeing the ball come out of the quarterback's hand, reading the ball out of his hand, reading a traje trajectory, judging the depth and all that stuff of the ball. And I'm always running. I'm never just standing there, right? And so I was like, I want to make my practice, my hand stuff as realistic as possible. So I won't like, I don't mind catching 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever it is, but I need somebody to throw it to me. So we would have the DB coach, you know, throw and we would go through all types of this different drills, you know what I'm saying? Distraction drills. You know, we would put bags out and, you know, running behind and through bags, having to track the ball because that's how it is for a defender in the game, right? You're you're having to go through a wide receiver to catch a ball. You're running and boom, you're getting your head back at the last minute to see the ball and having to react to that ball. You're having to judge that ball from 40, 50 yards away in the air off the quarterback hand while you're running and playing a wide receiver. So that's more realistic to me than just standing there pumping your arms and then they poof, and you just put your hands up and catch the ball so i was never a jug machines guy nothing wrong with jug machines for people that use jug machines i'm not saying that i'm just saying for me i wasn't a jug machine guy i wanted let's find a backup quarterback let's find somebody let's find an equipment room guy let's find somebody a ga somebody that i need you to throw me some balls i just need i need you to throw it well, and it makes sense from a safety perspective, because if you're standing there flat footed, you're probably already beat on the play. So yeah. you don't yeah. want to practice bad habits no. for some. I, I, I do understand the tired legs, but it seems to have worked pretty well for you leading the NFL in interceptions. It did. And, and you know, the year that we started it was the year that I, I, I did lead the league. But outside of me, you know, you look at James Ahedabo, he ended up having four interceptions that year, uh, was a Pro Bowl offense. You look at Rasheen Mathis, he had interceptions. You look at Darius Slay, he, like we had a lot of interceptions throughout the whole uh, secondary. And then, you know, Levy would get in with us sometimes. Levy ended up having, you know, a lot of interceptions one of those years. So it was just a thing that, you know, we was just doing, like this is what we're going to do. And, 
you know, it worked out for us and it carried on all through my whole time there with them, you know. So Quandre going through hand school, Slay going through hand school and, you know, using like I used to use every line on the field was an out of bounds line to me. It didn't matter if I was at the 50. It didn't matter if I was on the side. Any it was it could have been a hash mark. Every line was a sideline because I just wanted to use the lines to practice focusing on the ball, but understanding what an out of bounds line is at so that you can work on catching the ball, but keeping your feet in bounds. Right. So the toe tap game was super serious. And you look at a couple interceptions that I had, you know. One against Tennessee on the sidelines, very tough. You know, the one against New Orleans on the sideline, one against Tampa. Just being able to understand where the sideline is without having to physically or intentionally look down to see the sideline, you can feel it. Your body, you can maneuver your body to where you can catch the ball, but you're making sure that you get your feet in. I mean, even the pick that I had in Chicago to – take the lead for you know in interceptions that year um just great you know recognition of the sideline and being able to control yourself to keep your feet in bounds so i just wanted to practice and do everything almost as close as i could to the game that's how i was and it sure seems to have worked out pretty well with <laughs> the interceptions the all pro the pff grade all seem to work out pretty well but it seems as though it's a lot of footwork a lot of muscle memory a lot of repetition and that's something we're seeing with tracy walker right now who's apparently really stepped into a leadership role you'll see him running routes for his safety running mate Deshaun elliott working on that timing, that footwork. And he's only 27, but Tracy Walker is the oldest defensive back on the roster. So he's really stepped into a leadership role, despite apparently being offered more money to leave Detroit. But is that just something the players say? And what do you expect from Tracy Walker this year? Well, the thing I hate, for Tracy is I only had Tracy for a year and I think Quandre only had him for one year after me. Um, so, you know, being a safety and, and, you know, not coming up, you know, with some guys to show you how to lead a group and you having to figure it out on your own. Right. Like that's tough. And that's, that's how it was for me. I had to figure it out. Um, but it's good to see that Tracy's taking on that role. It's good to see that, you know, he decided to stay in Detroit. Everybody says, you know, could have taken less money. You know, all the time, depending on the situation, more money isn't always just depends on, you know, how much money, obviously. But, you know, when you think about having to move, move your family, go to a different city, this, that, sell my house, like a lot of times, depending on the situation, you know, taking a meal less or a meal and a half less to stay is not necessarily a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? You might move and go to a different city, different what you call. Now you got to, you know, adjust to a new team, new organization, new teammates. You got to move your family. You got to get a new place to stay. You got like it's just a lot going on for 
what, you know, in the grand scheme of thing is not that much of a difference. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to minimize a million and a half dollars, but when you're talking, you know, he signed what a $20 million deal, right? Yeah. So when you're talking 20 million, you know, three years, 20 million, as opposed to three years, 21 and a half, it's not like it's that much of a, of a difference. You know what I'm saying? Um, especially you've been in Detroit, they drafted you there. So, you know, being able to stay there probably meant a lot to him. And, you know, and being the oldest guy at 27 is, is, is rare. You know what I'm saying? Like generally you have a veteran. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't look for, and, and, you know, an older guy, you know, not to have him in such a huge physical role of playing, but just to have him there as a mentorship type of thing, help the young guys prepare to play somebody that knows how to practice somebody that knows how to do a lot of these things not saying tracy doesn't but he's still he's still young and so um i don't know of any um i mean i, I mean you probably can just look and research or think about some of the veteran safeties that maybe played for aaron glenn in new orleans or um you know somebody that got ties to the staff that they may feel like hey man this is a guy that you know we probably could bring him in and he could, he could help provide some, some leadership uh, for that room so that they can hopefully reach, you know, their full potential. And it seems as though any veteran they brought in, if he's got the seal of approval of Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant, he'll mesh pretty well because one of the things Tracy Walker highlighted was he feels like the coaches are family at this point. He called Aubrey Pleasant, his big, big brother he called Aaron Glenn says he's his uncle at the cookout with the sandals open, flipping burgers and just talks about the team as a family atmosphere and something DJ Chark, the wide receiver that the lion signed this off season has talked about too. He was one of the players that put his name behind how toxic the Urban Meyer Jaguars were saying that it was the opposite of football or sorry, his opposite of what he wanted out of football. So to hear players talk so highly about a coaching staff that really didn't win a lot of games last year, that's gotta be, it's gotta say something about how special this group is. Right. I mean, I mean, that's what you want. You want you want your players to feel that way about you. Obviously, you want to get wins as well. So you want to have that combination of the family atmosphere, the comfortable atmosphere, the the players feeling like the coaches respect them and the coaches feeling like the players respect them. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we look at it and we have these situations where you where you have coaches and players. Right. And a lot of times in the bad systems or the bad places is where the coaches feel like they are superior to the players, right? And in the grand scheme of things, they probably a little are because they're the coaches, right? But at the end of the day, we're all grown men. So it's more of a partnership, right? It's a partnership. It's, it's not a dictator. It's a partnership. You need me just as much as I need you, right? Because at the end of the day, if we don't perform well, it's easier for them to get rid of one person than to get rid of 13 people. So they're going to get you out of here before they get all of us out of here. So you need us. 
we need you. So we need to work together in a partnership type of way. So that when that's when coaches understand, hey, I got to respect my players the same way I feel like they should respect me. We're working together, all trying to win, trying to get the best out of each other that we can get. And when you have that type of relationship, most of the time it's going to lead to more wins, hopefully. At least it, 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 you'll have a better environment, better learning environment, which will hopefully lead to more wins. Um, so if they got that environment off the field already and they respect with the coaches and, and you know, they feel that way, like I said, hopefully it translates to more wins this year and, and they'll be right you know, there because that was one of the big things we had with when I was with Coach Caldwell. It was just a great – the building just was great. It just felt great. The people there were great. The players were great. The coaches were great. Um, everybody kind of respected each other for the most part. And, you know, when it was time to go to work, it was time to go to work. When it was time to chill out, we knew we could chill out. You know what I'm saying? He treated us like men. You know, so you act like a man. When you treat men like kids, they tend to act like kids. Um, And so that's the whole thing about it. So I'm glad to hear the, those reports coming out from AGE and and and, and Coach Coach Pleasant. And um, like I said, hopefully it translates to more to some wins this year. We can hope so because it seems, even though this is such a young team in Detroit, they are really building towards something special and. You talk about how practice is always a learning opportunity. Penne Sewell, ever since the pads have come on, he has stood out more than anybody. Aiden Hutchinson gets completely stonewalled by Penne. Great to see from the offensive tackle, and you know Aiden's going to learn from that. And he doesn't even turn 22 until October and is already just a freak athlete at such a massive size, I am very excited about year two of Panay Sewell. Right. And, you know, you know, I'm a defensive guy, so I'm going to always stand up for my defenders, right? Panay looks like he's going to be a phenomenal player, and I'm glad that, you know, you can have that guy that could hopefully, you know, be a cornerstone for, you know, the offensive line and protecting the quarterback. But defensive line, one-on-ones, offensive wide receiver one-on-one like those are some of the hardest things to do right so for Aiden Hutchison you know you really just want to work on a move and just and just be at that because when you're just going one-on-one especially with another good player I mean they don't have a true quarterback so you don't have a defensive scheme so you're really just running right at this guy. You're just trying to get around him to get to a little hat or something that's right behind him. And he knows, okay, well, this thing is right behind. I don't have to go for all these moves or fakes or any of this stuff because I know he just got to go right here to this stationary dummy, right? Whereas when you're in the game, you know, you set him inside and you move outside and then another guy's rushing and then boom, you beat him over the top and you get a sack, right? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, different things happen in a game when it all comes together. So defensive line one-on-ones, you know, defensive back one-on-ones, like all that stuff is just tough. It's, 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 I mean, you can win. Don't say, I'm not saying that you can't win, but it's tough. So I don't take too much into that. You know what I'm saying? Aiden's going to be a great rusher, great player. It's good to see those two guys going against each other, you know, good on good. Let's battle. Um, Panay, 
you know, like I say, I'm I'm glad that he's doing that. I hope his confidence is high and he can carry over into the season and be that cornerstone to the O-line because it's, it's important. And I never want to get too far over my skis when any of these things happen in one-on-ones because we're learning. We're practicing these pass rush moves. We're practicing these pass sets. And that's why when safety Kyle Hamilton, he gets one rep posted where he gets burned in a one-on-one and the internet loses their minds. And it's like, can we just relax people? It's one-on-ones. It's always going to favor the receiver. Let's bring the noise down a little bit, especially when he's getting rave reviews outside of that one highlight. Right. And and, and I will say this, cause I saw, I saw the highlight, right. And a couple of things popped up in my head. For one, he's a safety. He's not a corner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for two, I didn't really like his mental. And I didn't even know, like, I don't even know what his approach was. But he was going against an undrafted guy from what I saw, right? Um, so I didn't really like his technique. I didn't like his approach. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of up there. He's in no man lands. And he just kind of frolicking around and you know what I'm saying like he's a first rounder going against a undrafted guy well this is the NFL so everybody can play anybody can embarrass you on any given play right so hopefully if you're a great player you take that and not let it kill your confidence right but you take that and you understand and you put that chip on your shoulder that I don't care if I'm a first rounder. I don't care if I'm a 15 year vet. I don't care what I am. Anybody can embarrass you at any given day, any given time. So if I'm going to do something, I'm doing it the right technique, the right mentals, all those different things. Because, like I said, all these guys are good. Undrafted guys are not. Arian Foster was an undrafted free agent. I mean, Tom Brady was probably. 42 picks from being an undrafted guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's not get it twisted, guys. Everybody out there can play. So when you show up, when you line up one-on-ones or anything, be ready to go. I don't care if you're a first-rounder. I don't care if you're an undrafted guy. Be ready to go. So that's what I would say about that. I saw that, and that's one-on-ones, yeah. But, like, you just got to understand in one-on-ones that – I'm going to play my leverage, right? If you're if he looked like he was lined up and he's playing outside. Okay, well stay outside. You know what I'm saying? If he beat you on a dig route and one-on-ones and you're playing outside leverage, that's okay. Because I'm only playing outside leverage when I know I got help on the inside. So if he runs a dig and one-on-ones when I'm playing outside leverage, there's probably a linebacker sitting in the middle of the field. Quarterback's probably not going to throw him the ball. Or there's probably a safety, you know what I'm saying, that's dropped down in the middle of the field. So that's why I'm playing outside leverage. If I'm playing inside leverage, then we're probably in some form of blitz, right? That's why I'm playing inside leverage. We got a blitz. We don't have any help on the inside. So the easiest throw is an easy throw across the middle. The harder throws are the throws outside. So if I don't have any help inside, well, then I'm going to play inside and force him to go outside so the quarterback has to make a tougher throw. And then if he do catch it, I got the sideline to help me make the tackle, right? So if I'm playing inside leverage and a 
the wide receivers running all these crazy routes, in real thought process-wise, if I'm playing inside leverage, we got a blitz going. That means the quarterback's going to be getting ready to ball. You don't have time to do post, corner, post, all these routes that they run in one-on-ones when I'm playing inside leverage. You don't have time for that. And then when I'm playing outside leverage, I have help on the inside. So you run a dig, you run a slant, you may catch the ball. And I'm not saying you you let them catch the ball because you can play tight man-to-man from outside leverage. But if they do catch it, you're not sitting there like, oh, whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop. I got guys in there. That's why I'm playing you outside leverage. So whatever leverage you're going to play in one-on-ones, just play it. So he started outside leverage. He started in no man's lands, acting like he was big time. And then the guy stems inside, and he goes try to slip him inside to try to make a pick on the dig route, and he gives up a touchdown for a bum. And it's just it didn't look good. But I felt like he lost that before they even snapped the ball because mentally, like, why are you going out there with the undrafted guy anyway, right? That's probably because you were playing around or something trying, happened. Trying to and flex on Yeah, the you just EDFA. jump out there like that, and you're, you're trying to act like you're big time. And who knows, right? We only seen one route. He could have been unstopped eight in a row, and they were just like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then he got greedy and got beat. We don't know, right? We didn't see everything. We don't know the context of everything. We just saw one play. Right. So I'm just talking about that one play. I didn't like his mental. Completely agree with you there. It was a sloppy play from the get go, but also important to remember this is all in context. You don't know how his mentals are play in play out. And by all accounts, Jeff Akuda has been locked in since camp started. He got completely ragdolled by Panay Sewell at one point. They ran a bubble screen with Panay pulling. And Akuda just got up like nothing happened and just went next play, got a PBU. So he knows he's competing with Will Harris, the former safety. And like you talked about earlier, doesn't matter about draft capital because the sixth rounder, Amani Oruwarie, is the locked-in starter on the other side. So... It's nice to hear that it's professional despite the youth at the Detroit cornerback. So I'm sure you're excited to see that going forward. Yeah, I am. I'm I'm very excited to see that. And I mean, I, I don't like any, I don't know. Maybe it was just me and I was just different. Like, I don't like any of the locked in is this. I mean, we're all here to compete. We're all here to get better. Nobody's locked in. You got to go out and earn it every single day. Every single year, you got to go out and earn it. Why? Because they're going to put the best two players out there. So Will Harris and Jeff Okuda are competing in what they say the second spot, right? Mm -hmm. Well, those two guys are pushing each other, so they're getting better, right? So what happens when, say, one of those guys win the job, but the other guy is playing at a higher level than a money? Yeah, a money's probably going to start out as the guy because he had a a big year, caught a bunch of interceptions. But if he don't start out and he he don't have a great camp and he don't have a great preseason and he starts out in the first couple weeks and he's not playing well, guess what they're going to say? Hey, man, Will is okay now. Like, So don't ever go in and approach it or feel like, hey, I'm locked in, I'm good. No, man, 
whatever chip you had on your shoulder to have that good year or to go out and get better, keep that chip on your shoulder, man. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it's like going in. I mean, I was locked in as the guy, but I probably worked harder than everybody in the, like, why? Because I never wanted to get comfortable. I never wanted to feel like I was the guy. No. They got a staff. They got a whole staff that scours the whole country looking for your replacement. They're looking for your replacement. So don't ever feel like you're safe, ever. And you're not just competing with the guys on your team. If they see a guy in Cleveland that's better and they got an opportunity to get him, they will bring him in. So don't ever feel like you're safe. Keep that chip on your shoulder. Don't ever let your guard down. So Akuda and, and, and Harris are the ones that are talking about that's competing. Amani, you should be feeling like I'm competing too. Because I'm going out there to show them that I am the number one corner. And I'm going to prove it every day why I'm locked in as the number one guy. Every day. Go out and prove it, man. So I'm interested to see those guys when I get out there because I love I love my DBs. I love my DBs. Like we're just a different breed of people and I love it and I can't wait to get out there to watch those guys practice. I want to see them practice. You know, I am coming out there um Monday. Ooh, I'll be at, I'll be at Lions camp Monday. August the 8th. Thank you the 8th. I'll be there. So I'm ready to see, you know, how these guys are going to respond, right? Who's going to have a good scrimmage on Saturday and then show back up on Monday ready to get it in again? Like, who's going to be the guy that's saying every single day I'm going out to prove it? I can't. I'm, I'm ready to see it. And I really like what you hit on there with you have to prove it every day, especially at a position that is such spotlight is on you as a defensive back because the cameras are always on always looking for that big play to be made where the receiver gets over the top. So you have to be perfect every play. And so I did want to ask you, who are you most excited to see when you get out to lions camp? Sounds like it's an entire unit. Well, I want to see, I want to see the skill guys, you know, I'm I'm a skill guy was a defensive back. So I'm, uh, obviously the DBs, right? I want to see, I want to see Tracy. I want to see the, the, the rookie. I can't remember his name um, that, that they drafted uh, the safety. I want, I want to see him. I want to see, uh, you know, the backup guys. I want to see the corners. I want to see those guys because if you don't have a good secondary, it's very difficult to win in the NFL because you're going against really, 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 really good receivers and quarterbacks week in and week out, right? So I want to see those guys, see how they're working. But I also want to see the receivers. Who who are our guys? Who, who you know, like, who are the guys? Who are the guys that we can depend on to go out week in and week out and make plays? Who's running the ball? Who wants to peel on third and short? Who, who wants to be in the game pass blocking on third and long? Like, who are those guys? I want to see it. Then I want to see, you know, I want to go and check out my linebackers, right? I want to know who is that guy that want to be on the field leading the defense, making plays. 
wants to be in the run game, understands the pass game, understand what's going on, because you can't be as good as you need to be if you only know your job. You need to know what's going on on the D-line. You need to know what's going on with the safeties. When are they coming down? Where are they coming down? How are they coming down? You need to know all that stuff. And I'm fired up today, man, because it's football season and it's time to go, and, I'm, and, and I don't like when – Guys feel like they don't have to go out and earn it. It's training camp. It's, 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 it's two weeks. It's three weeks. You know, go out, bust your butt, get yourself ready to have a good season. It don't just happen. And so I'm just excited, man. I'm, I'm fired up. You know, I want, I want to see the guys. Hopefully they're working. You're fired up. You've got me fired up now. I've got goosebumps listening to you talk because I can't wait to hear your thoughts when you finish up at training camp, hear what your takeaways are, because there is just so much to talk about. And you talk about the wide receivers by all accounts, Amon Ross, St. Brown, DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds. They're the top, the projected top three, but it sounds as though they move together constantly, just working, working, pushing each other. Even when St. Brown is back for punt returns, Chark and Josh Reynolds are by his side. And it sounds Jamison Williams has that dog mentality too. He can't even practice. So he's just there throwing a football to himself. Football's always in hand. It doesn't matter if a coach is playing catch with them, a teammate, or he just throws it to himself. I really hope that these receivers have that dog in them when you go out to practice the way the media has been hyping them up. Right. I, I hope, I hope so too, you know, and, you know, I'm, and I'm just speaking from, you know, not a Lions fan, but just as a football fan, a national type of fan, right? When you look at, when you look at the lines and you look at their offense, right? When you look at the lines, you look at their offense. And I could be mistaken, but the national media, the national people, the first thing they're going to say, isn't Jameson Williams hurt? Who are they wide receivers? Like, who, who do they have? Like, who, who, who is their guy? Right? Who, who is the go-to guy? I want to see who's going to say, I'm the guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm the man. Game in, game out, play in, play out. It's gonna be me. Or hey, we're gonna have the best group ever. Like we're all gonna be dogs. We all nobody's gonna have 150 catches, but we're all gonna have 65, 75. We're all gonna have eight, nine touchdowns, right? Like it may not be just one main guy, maybe the whole group. I don't know. We'll see. It's an exciting time and you talk about never resting on your laurels and there's undrafted and back of the roster guys that are flashing too. Cause we've got Khalil Pimpleton who's in the race to be the starting punt returner. Or at least he's one of three players taking reps back there. St. Brown's kind of doing it as the just keeping familiar and it's Pimpleton and Khalif Raymond fighting for that job and, that's an easy way to get on the roster as is when you're making plays like Malcolm Rodriguez, he keeps getting boosted up in the units. We've been talking about him for weeks now, 
finally got two plays in with the first team offense blows up a screen on the very first play or sorry, first team defense blows up a screen. And Dan Campbell talks about how the key and diagnosis pretty good. He showed up when given those opportunities. So even though you've got projected starters who were drafted earlier, you can never stop because you've got a Malcolm Rodriguez. You've got a Khalil Pimpleton. You've got a undrafted phenomenon who was the best player from their high school town now coming for your job. Right. I mean, everybody's good. Like I said, like I said earlier, everybody's good. Everybody can play. And that's what, you know, that's what we all have to understand. So um, getting reps with the first team, and showing up, right? You know, it may start out as two reps today. You show up, okay, you might get four tomorrow. Show up again. You might get six the next day. Show up again. Then you might get eight or ten, right? So show up every single day. Um, for the punt returner, you know, when it comes to being a uh, uh, punt returner, right, you got to be really special, or you got to have more things that you can do, right? Yeah. Because on Sundays, it's a numbers game, right? I mean, we got 60-some guys on the roster, but those 60 guys aren't active, right? So it's a numbers game. So if all you are is a punt returner, you got to be super special, or you got to be able to cover punts. You got to be able to cover kicks. You got to be a kick returner. You got to be... You know, if we want to go, if you're a defensive back, you know, if we want to go nickel or dime, you got to be somebody that can come in and get some defensive snaps for us as, as a fourth corner. Or, you know, you got to be that fourth or fifth wide receiver that we trust. If we have to put you in the game, you can go in and make a play. It's very difficult to be a solely a punt returner unless you're special. Now, if you're special, you can be that guy. But if you're just okay, it's going to be tough. And so catching punts in practice and making plays and doing those things is great. You know what I'm saying? Come out in preseason games and do the same thing. But in the preseason games, you got to be able to control yourself and make good decisions. Because so many times these undrafted guys or you know late-round guys or guys that's trying to make – that team as a returner, they just want an opportunity to show that they can return, right? And, yes, we all want that opportunity. The coaches know you can return. They've seen you return in practice. They've seen you return in college. They know you can return. They want to see can you be smart enough to make good decisions or are you going to make a bad decision trying to show us that you can return and end up hurting the team? You know, you catch a punt inside of the five-yard line just because you want to get a return and you muff it, they pick it up and score a touchdown as opposed to getting out the way, showing that, hey, ball's inside the five. I don't need to field it. I get out the way, yada, yada, yada. And you may not ever get a chance to return it, but they know you can make good decisions. And like I said, you're there because they know you can return. That's why you're here because we know you can return, boss. So just, you know, understand it's more so about making good decisions because, you know, good decisions and bad decisions, that's 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 
that's the game, right? You know, you make good decisions, you give yourself a chance to win. You make more bad decisions, it's going to be very difficult to win. Especially on a game like football that can hinge on inches, that good decision-making leads to better outcomes in the long run, even if you might struggle at some points. Oh, what? Oh, okay. Sorry. Had a little power outage there. Oh, you good? Uh, But anyways, talking about these battles in camp, there's going to be players cut from other teams. There always is, unfortunately. And Hard Knocks probably offers teams a look into the Lions back of the roster guys that other teams maybe aren't so aware of. Am I right? Does the spotlight make it harder to sneak guys onto the practice squad and make it more likely they get picked up somewhere else? Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, I mean, the, the, the hard knocks is going to show, it's going to show guys making plays. It's going to show guys stories and, you know, America loves the underdog story. So as the hard knocks crew, they're going to find that one or two guys that they see, as an undrafted guy that's making plays, that's playing well, that's that's working hard, like they're gonna find those guys and they're gonna feature those guys because America's gonna be interested to see how did he play in the games. You know, I like him, like I like his attitude, I like his work ethic. Like, I really hope this kid makes the team, right? Um, so then by showing that and showing him in practice and showing him in the games and showing his personality, it's gonna give the other teams around the league an inside look at that guy. And so, you know him being on the bubble on your roster may earn him the final roster spot because you know if I cut him, he might not make it back to me. Somebody may claim him or pick him up. Um, And even if I got him on my practice squad, somebody could sign him from my practice squad, all right? So that guy that, you know, wins America's heart because of his, you know, work and his story and all those things, and he couples, doubles it, you know, with some decent play, some good enough play to where you're like, man, this guy should make the team. Like he's he's pretty good. He's decent. He's a he's good enough to make the team. You know, like he's like I said, like sometimes you get that nod just because we can't hide you on the practice squad. So, but that's the good thing about hard knocks, man. People love it. They want they they want to get an inside scoop of you know football is you know a, a super American you know sport. We all love it. Um, and that's the thing about fantasy football, about, you know, hard knocks when you're a fan of the game, you know, yeah, you're going to be more tuned into hard knocks when it's your actual team. But when you're a fan of the game, like you just want to see the football. So you don't mind watching hard knocks from the Detroit Lions, you know, even though you may not be a fan or you may like this other team. But you just excited that football is back on and you want to watch the show. You know what I'm saying? So I think it'll be a good way for the Lions to showcase, you know, what they got going on, showcase the city, showcase the the facilities and all those different things. And, um, you know, hopefully they can find a couple of diamonds in the rough and hopefully the cameras don't be too big of a distraction um, to the coaches or the players and they can focus on the work and just let the cameras record what's authentically happening not something that I'm trying to portray just because I know the cameras are out. 
Um, if I'm not a talker, then don't be a talker. Don't try to talk more just because the cameras are out there. If you are a talker, then just be a talker. Don't try to make it a more of a talker because the, the cameras are out there. Just be you. Be authentically you and just act like the cameras aren't out there. But then also understand when it's time to entertain, you just entertain. That's what we do. We're entertainers, but we just good football players. I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see a little bit of Glover Quinn on Hard Knocks come <laughs> Tuesday with you being at practice. I'll be on the lookout for sure when that airs live. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. They haven't uh, haven't told me a lot, but um, I will be out there Monday practice. So I don't know when it's going to air, but if you hear this Monday if it's open, I don't even, I think it's open to the fans. I would think, I don't know. If you can be there, be there. Monday, I'll be there. Catch Glover Quinn at Lions practice on Monday. And that'll be the first practice, I believe, after the team scrimmage Saturday. So before we get you out of here, I wanted your thoughts on the team scrimmage family day and what the fans should expect, the players should expect, and maybe some of your memories from the team scrimmage. Well, the the team scrimmage is kind of like, to me, it was kind of like the end of camp. No, it's not the end of camp, but it was kind of like the end of camp because you started last week sometime, right? And you get a few days in, and then you go through a, a, a full week of camp, dog days, early mornings, late nights, all day, practices, meetings, practices, meetings, meetings, practices, lifting, this, that, right? You go through this long week, right? And it culminates at the end with a scrimmage, right? Because like I said, I don't know when they start, but I would assume next week they start getting ready, like preseason games start getting started. I don't even know when the first preseason game is, but I would assume it probably would be that Saturday. I mean, Sunday coming up. I mean, Monday is the 8th that I'll be out there, so you would think that weekend is like the 12th, 13th. That's preseason time, right? You get a game 13th, a game on the 20th, a game on the 28th, and then, you know, now that's the end of the preseason. I think they only do three games now, right? So you would think, that's kind of like almost the end of training camp, the hard part, I guess. Then you probably come back Monday, probably have a, a good practice Monday, Tuesday. Then now Wednesday, Thursday, you got to start keying into, you know, whenever you got your preseason game. You may play your first game on Thursday or Friday or Saturday or even Sunday. Um, but a couple of days before that, you kind of start gearing down a little bit on training camp practices to get ready and for the first preseason game and a lot of times the coaches understand and like I said it's different nowadays because they only have three games right when I was playing we had four so that first preseason game was a big game for you know I'm saying the the backups and the and the undrafted guys right so the starters may get you know a series you know three or four plays and then those young guys are getting to play the entire game so a couple days before that first game they're trying to make sure that those guys understand what's going on and they're ready to play, right? Because it's important, right? Those guys, you know, those guys are critical parts of the team. You know what I'm saying? Being that 
that last corner that makes it or that last wide receiver or that last offensive lineman, you know, you're very critical to the team because you're going to play special teams for us. But then you're also going to be a part of the scout team. So if you're good enough, you're going to be you're going to be the guy that's getting our starters ready to play. So you're going to be getting some quality reps every day in practice as a wide receiver going against our top corners or as a or as a corner going against our top receiver or as a D lineman going against our top O lineman. You're going to be getting valuable, valuable reps to not only help you, but get our guys ready to play. So. I don't know the uh, the approach that these coaches take nowadays with only having three preseason games. I don't know if the starters play a little more, you know, in the in the first game and they treat the second game as like the dress rehearsal. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I've watched a preseason game since I retired. Just being completely honest. Um, and I definitely haven't watched since they changed it to three games. Um, so. Um, I don't know the approach, but the scrimmage is going to be fun. You know, it's, you know, we used to do it in the stadium. I would think they still do it at the stadium. Maybe, um, you know, like I said, you've been in training camp for a whole 10, 11, 12 days. So you don't get to see your family as much. You stand in the hotel, you know, they may come out to a practice and you get to see them a little bit, but that's about it. Um, so you're excited to see your family. You're excited for them to come out and, and watch and, you're trying to focus on the game. Like I said, we used to do it in the stadium. So you kind of get that environment. You get to go in the stadium, kind of start to feel, you got the lights on. And, you know, the environment is different from just practice at Allen Park. You know what I'm saying? It feels like a scrimmage. You got the pad zone, you know, and we never went, when I was practicing, you know, we never went live tackling to the ground when I was out there. Um, Every now and then, you know, they may let the 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 second string or third string guys get a little live tackling because, you know, sometimes some coaches, you know, they don't want your first time tackling somebody, fully tackling them to be in the first preseason game, right? You want to kind of see and let the guys get a feel for it. So sometimes they do it. Sometimes they don't because, you know, certain guys are valuable, right? You don't want to be out there tackling Calvin Johnson at the scrimmage game and roll his ankle, and now he's hurt for the first three weeks. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be fun, though. The the intensity should be high. Um, It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And that's something that, every team throughout history has had where you got to protect certain players. I remember Jerry ball telling me Wayne fonts. All right, this is the quarterback red Jersey. You don't hit him. This is Barry Sanders. Number 20. You don't hit him. And I'm sure Calvin Johnson got the same treatment. Matthew Stafford. He's a quarterback obviously gets that treatment. So yeah, you got to protect your stars. Yeah, definitely the quarterbacks get that treatment, you know, far as the wide receivers and the skill guys and stuff like that, like, like Barry, you know, Barry was probably was tough to tackle in practice anyway, but as a running back now, you might get thudded a little bit. Now, you know what I'm saying? You might, you, you probably won't get tackled to the ground, but you come running through the hole. Like one of those linebackers, they, they might, you know, hit you. They're not trying to take you to the ground. And, you know, we're athletes. We should be able to hit each other, thud each other, stay on our feet, let them keep running. Um, but I can't sit here and say you're just going to run freely through the defense without getting, like, a little shoulder. 
you know, and, and the same with Calvin, you know what I'm saying? You, you're not trying to take him to the ground. You know, guys get injured when they go to the ground, right? That's when guys get hurt. When, you, when you're on the ground, that's why you hear so many NFL coaches and people screaming, stay off the ground, stay off the ground, because that's when guys get hurt. You fall, you hurt your shoulder, you hurt your knee, you roll your ankle, you're twisting something, all right? You're on the ground and somebody else falls over you. Like, imagine being a D lineman. You fall, now you're on the ground, then other old linemen fall over you, and then they fall on another old lineman's knee because, you know what I'm saying? Like, you get hurt when you're on the ground. Athletes, you know, as long as you're standing on your feet, you should be able to make some contact. Calvin catch a pass. You should be able to give him a little thud, and he keeps running. Like, because he needs to get ready for a game too, right? He needs to start getting ready to protect the ball, getting hit, all those different things. So, yeah, you're not trying to take him to the ground. You understand those things, but giving him a little thud, a little shoulder, you know what I'm saying? And it may depend on the person as well, right? You're an undrafted rookie. You know, you want to stay away from Calvin at all costs, right? But if you're a money, right, you're a top corner and you're going against a top receiver, he catch a pass, I mean, it's respect. Like, I might thud you up a little bit. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm not going to tackle you, but I'm going to thud you up. Now, you don't touch the quarterback, though. Don't touch the quarterback. Don't touch the quarterback. Don't give Josh Allen a shove as he's running through the play. I don't know if you saw yeah. that clip this yeah, week. I did. I did. I did. Don't touch the quarterback. Everybody season, for the most part, goes downhill when you lose the quarterback. Yeah, we got the backup, and hopefully he – yeah, you lose Josh Allen, your Super Bowl chances are gone. Point blank. Period. The end. They're gone. With Josh Allen, you're probably projected to win the AFC East. You're probably projected to represent the, you know, the East in the AFC Championship game. And you're probably projected to probably win that game. Barring everybody staying healthy, they add Von Miller to already good defensive line, defensive group, good offense, Stephon Diggs. Like the Bills are probably expected to be. Probably, you know, I don't know if Kansas City would be there this year, but they're probably expected to be competing in the AFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl, right? You heard Josh Allen? Eh, eh, may not make the playoffs. Eh, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're just that important. So there's nothing you can prove or gain by shoving the quarterback, touching the quarterback, pushing the quarterback. Nothing you can prove or gain by doing that. Even if you come through and sack the quarterback and you're like, man, I made a great move. I beat this all-pro tackle and made it. Yeah, but you sacked our quarterback in practice. The coaches, the players, the equipment, nobody's going to be excited and celebrating that sack but you. And you're probably going to be heading out the door, especially if he gets hurt. So don't touch the quarterback. Don't touch the quarterback and don't flirt with the quarterback on another team. So one final story I wanted to ask you about dolphins have been fined a draft pick or sorry, two draft picks, a first round and a third rounder for flirting with Tom Brady when he was with the Patriots. And when he was with the Buccaneers did the same thing to Sean Payton while he was with the saints. And the funniest thing I found from this whole story is you remember that interview Tom Brady had a little while ago talking about how a team was in on him until the last second. And then 
oh, you're going to go with that old MFR? Well, now we know which team decided to go with which quarterback. Dolphins went with Ryan Fitzpatrick over Tom Brady. And Tom took it personally. And now the Dolphins have been fined draft picks and money for it. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. That's that's a tough situation. You know, I, I you know I feel like that stuff happens all the time. Just all about getting caught. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause too many people know too many people that know too many people. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you may have you may not say anything to Tom Brady personally, but you know somebody that know his wife so you tell them that your feelings about tom knowing that hey go tell giselle so she can tell tom that the dolphins are interested that's tempering that stuff happens just got caught so forfeit in the first rounder third rounder you know i don't know i like is that is that a good enough is that a good enough punishment right would you ramp up the uh punishment there well i mean you gotta think about it if it works out for you you're kind of trading one for one right like if it would have worked out and they got tom brady but they found out about it and you had to give up a first round pick like yeah but we got tom (laughs) like we got tom we'll trade tom for a first round pick right you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you give up three first round picks. Maybe you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't feel like monetary, and, and you know, I could be speaking out of whatever, but I don't I don't feel like monetary fines really bothered. I mean, these are billionaires. I mean, you find them five hundred thousand, okay. Like, they're not hurting those guys, like they're billionaires, you know what I'm saying? Like how much money can you find them to like hurt them? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, they got fined two million dollars. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so I don't really know how you know you can punish them other than you know taking more picks or you know what I'm saying pull out some of the college stuff, right? Like, nah, we're not gonna take your pick, but you're not even eligible to make the playoffs this year. Ooh. You're not even eligible to make the playoffs. So you're playing games knowing, man, we can't even make the playoffs. All because our coaches was trying to recruit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you start doing stuff like that. Now you now, right? Because in the NFL, guys know I only got so many years. And I can't waste a year. So to play a whole year. Knowing that we can't make the playoffs, I really don't even want to play this year. I'm wasting hits on my body. My my body only got so many hits, and I'm giving them out, trying to win games, knowing that we can't even make the playoffs, right? Like, imagine being those college programs, right, that these kids, kids nowadays, right, get punished for something that, the team did before they was even there, 
right? I yeah. wasn't even at USC when this was going on. But now I'm punished for. I can't even make a bowl game? Is that fair? Well, NFL, hey, your owners are trying to recruit players at this before the legal period. There's got to be a punishment for that. You got to pay for it. And that would be quite a way to pay for it. I'm intrigued by this idea. The bull game ban, make it NFL edition, ban the Dolphins from the playoffs for a year for flirting with Tom Brady. Yeah. But but not just that. You flirting with Tom Brady. You flirting with uh, Sean Payton. You know, you flirted with Brady twice. You telling the coach to tank game so you can get a high pick. Like... Hey, man, football is the business of winning. We're trying to win. We're not trying to tank. Like, imagine being a Dolphins fan. Like, I would be upset if I was a Dolphins fan knowing that I'm paying money to come watch a game and my team's not even trying to win. Yeah. Really? They're not even trying to win? So then how is a player, like, how do I go out and play to lose like i got a name on the back of my jersey right like we represent the name on the front of our jersey and the name on the back of our jersey so the name on the front of my jersey wants us to lose but the name on the back of my jersey say i got pride in the product that i put out there as a player i can't just let somebody beat me As a coach, I got pride in the plays that I call for my players. I can't just call bad plays because the owner wants me to lose a game so we can get a first-round draft pick higher? No. 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 So, yeah, they should be punished severely for that type of behavior playoff ban playoff ban like yeah playoff ban for the miami dolphins <laughs> i absolutely love it come down hard and make a stand that this is not acceptable in the nfl we don't run like this you've embarrassed the shield at this point yes and the NFL cares about the shield. Trust me. They sure do. And what about you? Is there any pluggables that you care about? Anything that you want to hit or highlight other than your trip to Lions training camp on Monday? Oh man. Um, uh, you know, I, I really I really don't. Um I've been taking a lot of time to really focus on a lot of things that I'm trying to do. Um, so I haven't really been, you know, actively watching a lot of stuff on social media, seeing a lot of stuff that's going on, you know, participating in stories that's going on around the country. Like I just try to stay away from a lot of this stuff and focus on things that I'm trying to, uh, to get done. Um, so I don't really have any 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 pluggables today. You know, I plug a lot of things 
I don't really have any pluggables today. I mean, I will say, you know, this is an exciting time, right? This is a, as a, a, an exciting time because the start of football, the start of training camp feels like the start of the exciting parts of the year. You know what I'm saying? Training camp starts back means school's finna start. So now you get Friday night lights coming back. You get college football coming back. You get all of the school functions. You get the holidays now. You get Halloween. You get Thanksgiving. You get Christmas. You get a new year, right? You get all of the sports. You get football going first. Then, you boom, you get to the world, you know, baseball playoffs. And then you get basketball coming back. And everybody's playing. And everybody's enjoying it. You know, you go through that little lull after the NBA Finals where the only things on TV is baseball. And, I mean, I love watching baseball, but there's a lot of people in America that may not watch a baseball game. So there's no other sports on. I mean, they've been doing a better job of showing, you know, XFL football or pro-am basketball, different things like that, soccer. But for a true like for you know that's kind of like a little month break of no real sports outside of baseball like you know what i'm saying that people just sit on a majority of the people sit down and watch so you take your vacations and this and this and that and now it's like all right now it's time to get back and we got football finna be on we got basketball that's finna be on in a couple months we got baseball that's on we got soccer we got track that's going we got you know, high school football games are going to start playing on ESPN now because they start school in a week or two. You got college games. That's like, it's time, baby. It is time. So I'm excited for all the athletes. I wish all of them the best coming up this season. Any sports, stay healthy. Keep your head down and grind it out, man. And good luck to all you guys. I could not agree more with everything you just said. It's a great time of year. It's a great time to be a fan of the Detroit Lions. It's a great time to check out our sponsors over at betonline.ag. It's a great time to subscribe to the Believe in Lions podcast because Glover Quinn, next time we talk to you, it's going to be an update from what you saw live and in person at training camp. So I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. It's going to be live. Tune in. Tune in because I will be there and I will be paying attention. DBs, wide receivers, linebackers. I will. Quarterback. Quarterback. Can't win without a quarterback. So I will be watching. And we will be listening. Can't wait to hear everything that you see. But until then, we will see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.